Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Do you stand behind Lee County's decision to not have that mandatory evacuation until the day before the storm? Well, did you, where was your industry station uh, when the storm hit? Were you guys in Lee County? No, you were in Tampa. So that's, you know, they were following the weather track and um, they had to make decisions based on that. But, you know, 72 hours, they weren't even in the cone. 48 hours, they were on the periphery. Uh, so you got to make the decisions the best you can. I will say, uh, you know, they delivered the message to people. They had shelters open. Uh, you know, everybody had adequate opportunity to at least get to a shelter within the county. Um, but, you know, a lot of the residents did not um, did not want to do that. I think for probably for various reasons, some people just don't want to leave their home, period. They're island people, whatever. But I think part of it was so much attention was paid to Tampa that I think a lot of them probably thought that they wouldn't get the worst of it. So that's Ron DeSantis pushing back on a CNN reporter who deserved all the pushback. Why didn't you have a stronger evacuation in Lee County? Because Lee County wasn't going to get hit by the storm. Because storms change. I mean, there is this real, radical, ridiculous thought process that somehow we have these things perfect. We don't. Tornadoes, we don't have it perfect. We don't have it close to perfect on tornadoes. At least a hurricane we can kind of see coming. Everybody in Lee County knew that that storm could hit them, and they said, oh, we'll wait and see. Okay, now it's time to go, and some got out, and some said, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. We're here. We're good. Everyone just just relax. Let's let's get some snacks. Let's get some maybe some jerky. You know, a little trail mix. You know, those are snack. Can I tell you that I gave a speech over the weekend, uh, Friday night. I I gave a speech, and the woman next to me actually opened up a tootsie roll and ate it in front of me. I I'm surprised I let her stay. Tootsie rolls are not snacks. Tootsie Rolls or Devil Scat, don't eat it and don't give it out for Halloween. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what is going on? 833-GOT-TONY, would love to hear from you. 833-468-8669. The desire to politicize this hurricane, is it's still just so amazing. It, 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 no end, no end in sight in this desire to to push for uh, how do we make this political, how can we attack our, our political opponents, DeSantis reminded people that, you know, Florida is a Second Amendment state. Meaning, if you loot, you might get shot at. You know, that, that the first time I saw that sign, I was in Jersey, I mean, you figure hey, you'll get shot as a sign you see in Jersey all the time. I mean, it, it's it's Jersey. What what exactly? What signs do you think you're gonna see? Except for hey, uh, you you come around here and uh, you might get shot. You know what I mean? Not surprised. But it was after Superstorm Sandy. I happened to be in Jersey and near where I I grew up and houses just directly off their foundation. I'd never seen anything like that before. And, and there were signs, you loot, we shoot. And so there's DeSantis letting people know that, hey, this is a, a Second Amendment state. You might want to be aware of that if you're going to try looting here. Don't be, don't be those people. We are coming right at you, right for you. 
And people went crazy. How dare you? What do you mean, how dare you? That's exactly what people want to hear from their governor. They want to hear that from leadership. We're not going to put up with any of these people who think that we've got ourselves a crisis so they can take advantage of us. You try and take advantage of us, the first thing we're going to do is throttle you. Then we're going to get back to our work. We're not going to say, hey, hold on a second. We've got to finish this. First, we throttle you and we leave you in the street so everybody sees. What happened to that guy? Hey, he tried to loot. Damn. All right, let's go fix Tommy's roof. And then that's what's going to happen. Now you know. Only, only the political left in America could be surprised by the most rational response in the world. We're right now down. You want to mess with us while we're down? We start by kicking your butt. I clean that up, by the way. I'm trying to clean it up a little. Because I know I don't do it all the time. But there are some times where I just, I just really let it go. And I'm like, eh, I got to I gotta do a little better on that. Yeah, maybe, maybe even more for myself than anything else. I got to do a little better uh, on, on that one right there. First, we kick your butt. Then we go back to fixing Tommy's roof. That's how we do it. That's how it works. And people are amazed. What, what is, is, it, is it violent in, in, in your point of view? It's not violent. It is unbelievably rational. As opposed to the market right now, which is up 653. The NASDAQ is up 168. It's a new quarter. So maybe people in Florida can at least say, well, at least maybe my 401k will be up. It's so rational for people to want to defend themselves, the ones they love, their property. To not want to be abused. Oh, well, I guess, you know, we evacuated and the house got damaged. We should expect all our stuff to be gone. None of your stuff should be gone. Looters should be afraid to walk the streets. I'll, I'll try it a different way. I'll give it a different approach. You tell me whether you agree or disagree. 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. You can find me, I mean, to the extent that I still use Twitter, at Tony Katz on Twitter, Tony at TonyKatz.com. You can email. Here is a, a way to look at this. In a society that gets hit by a hurricane, there are people who are trying to rebuild, and then there are people trying to loot. Ergo, one could argue there are us and there are them. And you are either on the us side or the them side, depending on how you look at the thing. So now ask yourself, us or them? There can only be one. Now make your decision. Which side do you want to be on? I want to be on the side of the people who rebuild. And I want to oppose the people who think they can steal because things just went bad for a few days or a few weeks or a few months. And I think the looters should live in fear. I think they should be scared to come out of whatever homes they have or whatever hovels they have or whatever basements they have, whatever windowless vans they have. They should be afraid. I think the grifters should be afraid to drive down to southern Florida. Oh, yeah, we could do your roof. I know, I know, you'll make the claim, but it's only $3,000. You've got the $3,000 in the bag. She gives us $3,000. We'll get this roof done. I know, I know, you're, you're, you're 82 years old. Oh, you remind me of my grandmother. You remind me of my grandmother. $3,000 will take care of this roof. And then they never show up again. Now, those aren't looters. Those are just con artists, scumbags. And it's us or them. I choose us. 
I didn't know it is beyond my comprehension that that would be something that's considered to be a radical thought. It, to me, is the most rational thought. The most rational thought there is. Don't know, don't know how it could be seen otherwise. Meantime, I've got a series of things that I want to get to. Uh, it's October. I said I was I would start talking elections in October, and, and, I, and I was on Fox o- o- over the weekend. I was on with, with Lawrence Jones there across country. I'll, I'll share with you a little bit of that uh, later. Uh, but there's some there, there's a series of, of pieces of polling data out that are worth going over. Never to believe just one poll. But to understand what we're looking at, and if you have not read the dismissal letter from the FBI of Peter Strzok, holy cow, is it good. This was the letter from 2018 when Peter Strzok was dismissed from the FBI. Peter Strzok was the one engaged in, in uh, text messages with Lisa Page. They are going to not allow Trump to do this or do that. They had an insurance policy. This, this loser FBI agent, who was, by the way, high up in the FBI. The letter is out. And I'm like, holy mackerel. Is that a thing? Now, you could tell me this isn't the actual letter. No, no, I think this is the actual letter. It is, it is very direct. I will have that for you as well. I'm Tony Katz. So we're about a month out from the election. Election day is November 8th. We will start looking at the polling around the nation and kind of get an idea of what's going on. Well, what's going on is CNBC reports it. By the way, the market's just nutty uh, today. The Dow is up 602. NASDAQ is up 148. But the numbers in polling tell us that Republicans hold the edge. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. We've discussed the idea of what uh, Trafalgar uh, polling has referred to as the uh, submerged Trump voter. I refer to it as the shy right voter. These people don't want to talk. All they want to do is have the ability to keep a dollar in their pocket and be left alone. Which party will most leave me alone? I, I think that's, that's the, the, the way to make it work, personally. 82% of Americans, according to CNBC, ranking inflation as an extremely or very important issue. Compared to 56% who ranked abortion as a top worry and 32% who said the virus was a big concern. Allow me to say anybody who ranks abortion as their top worry has no other problems in the world. Literally has nothing else, has no knowledge base, has no issues, lives in a basement. You, you, no serious person. No person who has any level of, of responsibility put upon them says abortion is your top worry. It's like people who talk about bodily autonomy or something that happened on the, on the Fox hit. Bodily autonomy is your top worry. No, it's not. How, how, how embarrassingly silly. I would say this to anybody. Abortion is your top issue? 
the overturning of Roe v. Wade is your top issue? If I were you guys, I'd be all over Senator Lindsey Graham's proposal to have a 15-week uh, ban. Far better than many other countries, be better than, than, than other states. Nope, you called that radical and you called him a radical. He was giving you the way out. As opposed to you being radical when you want abortion up to and including the moment of birth. That's pretty radical. What's interesting about this poll that's from Monmouth uh, University is is written right here for the first time since the overturning of Roe, the Dobbs versus Jackson decision. A majority of voters polled by Monmouth University say they think Republicans should take back control of Congress. And that, kids, proves something that we have been saying as rational people for months. The economy is the story. Your abortion right, feel the air quotes, is not when ranked as important as my ability to feed my kids. Or, by the way, yours. It's not. It's not anywhere close. The violence that people are seeing in the streets, the issues that the border is creating, the fentanyl issue alone Fentanyl now comes in rainbow colors. Well, that's pushing on kids. How about this? We kill the cartel members. Oh no, I'm just I'm just putting a theory out there that we as a society, Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and liberals, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, straight, gay, uh name any other letter you like, uh Christian and Jew and Muslim, we we got our own issues. Right, We have things we agree and disagree on, and we got to handle our stuff. But just like we deal with the looters, you can't be pushing rainbow-colored fentanyl on our kids. So we're going to stop what we're doing. We're going to take care of you like you're a looter in Florida. Then we're going to go back to our stuff. I'm looking for a nationwide truce on the conversation of fentanyl. I want the most rabid transgender liberal to be able to look me in the eye and say, Tony, you know what? We're going to have our, we're going to have our conversation about children and transgender later. Let's go handle the fentanyl issue. Let's go uh, handle some cartels. And if we have to kick their, you know what? Let's do it. I'll, I'll say if we have to kick their ass, let's kick their ass. That's all I'm looking for. That's where I'd like to see America at. Fentanyl is a bigger issue in America than your quote-unquote abortion rights. Oh, and I don't even talk to people who tell me I'm a man, I'm not allowed to talk about abortion. I don't, I don't even talk to those people. Uh, I, of course I am. Of course I'm allowed to talk about it. Of course I'm allowed to dissect it. Of course I'm allowed to use my mind to it. And I don't allow any... It's like people tell me you can't talk about race. You're not black. <laughs> of course I can. What kind of nonsense is this? I have a mind, and I like to use it about all sorts of wacky things. Can't talk about race. Of course I can. You don't know. Settle yourself down. You, you think the color of skin leads to intellect? There was a group that used to be all over Indiana. It was a group of Democrats. They really liked to wear uh, like baggy white clothes, and they thought that based on skin color, they knew certain things and other people didn't. Why am I hearing this again? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you not want the fight? 
Because it sounded to me like the people who talked like that were looking for a fight. And me, I came to end the fight. Why? I got to focus on fentanyl and it's killing our kids. And yet somehow we still keep an open border. That's an issue. That's an important issue. Inflation is a very important issue. And now that we see this thing turn, let the people who still want to scream that abortion's a top issue, let them just scream. It's not. It isn't the top issue. There are places where Republicans are doing very well. Rubio, Marco Rubio, is up uh, in the Real Clear Politics average 3.6 over Val Demings. Now, I, I will admit there's some polling in here that I don't necessarily appreciate, but I'm just going through some of the basics uh, right now. In Arizona, in that Senate race, you've got the Democrat. Mark Kelly still holding on. He's four points ahead. In the real clear politics average. But then you take a pl- look at a place like Nevada. Nevada is amazing because Adam Laxalt, the Republican, is ahead of the incumbent Senator Masto by two. And then you take a look at the governor's race, and Lombardo, the Republican, is ahead of the Democrat incumbent Governor Steve Sisolak by one and a half. It's really something else. And if we believe that this shy right voter is real, meaning people on the political right who will not answer a pollster, will not answer honestly, they don't want anybody knowing what they're doing, they're just going to vote, that means a bigger pickup for the political right. Wisconsin, one of the the biggest watch races for for, uh, Senate, because it was perceived that Senator Ron Johnson was weak, Mandela Barnes, a Democrat, was in the lead until this past month, and now going into October, in the real clear politics average, Johnson, the Republican, the incumbent, has an over two-point advantage. And if you think that that is isolated, in the Wisconsin governor's race, you still have Tim Michels. Is it Michelle's Michels ahead of, uh, of Evers, or is it Evers? See, give me names I can pronounce. Uh, he, he's ahead by a half. Ahead of the incumbent. There is movement to the right in a lot of these races. A lot of them. Not everyone, but enough to make you wonder what could happen. I still say, I still say the Senate's a toss up. The House is going to the Republicans. We'll see where some of those governor's mansions go. We'll keep our eyes on the polling. Find everything at TonyCats.Locals.com. So when Peter Strzok was handed his walking papers from the FBI, as he should have been, so many need to be handed their walking papers from the FBI. The FBI is absolutely an organization that needs a redo. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. Feel free. 833-468-8669. Happy to talk to you. 833-GOT-TONY. Um, there was, of course, a letter. And that letter is out. Now, as far as I know, this is the letter. And I thought the letter was... I mean, I, I read it. I'm like, it didn't seem to me to be something fake. Something fake would be a lot more um, 
radical in, in its approach and in terms of being over the top. This wasn't over the top. This was just remarkably well-focused. I have reviewed the decision of the assistant director, the Office of Professional Responsibility, following your appeal, which proposed a 60-day suspension and demotion. I reviewed the relevant, uh, relevant sorry, material to include the AD, assistant director's letter proposing you for dismissal, and many of the text messages between you and Lisa Page. And I considered the long-term damage to the reputation of the FBI. While there is no doubt your 21 years of service to the organization cannot and should not be erased, it is difficult to fathom the repeated sustained errors of judgment you made while serving as the lead agent in two of the most high-profile investigations in the country. Though the Office of the Inspector General found no evidence, I'm not reading in full, I'm reading parts of it. Though the Office of the Inspector General found no evidence of bias impacted any of your, the FBI's investigative actions or decisions, your sustained pattern of bad judgment in the use of an FBI device has called into question for many the decisions made during both the Clinton email investigation and the initial states of the Russian collusion investigation. In short, your repeated selfishness has been called into question, has called into question the credibility of the entire FBI. In my 23 years in the FBI, I have not seen a more impactful series of missteps which have called into question the entire organization and more thoroughly damaged the reputation of the organization. As Deputy Assistant Director, you were expected to be a leader who is beyond reproach and set an example for not only our direct subordinates, but others throughout the organization who watched and observed your behavior and actions. You failed to do so repeatedly and put your own interests above the interests of the organization. Though it pains me to do so, it is for this reason that I am dismissing you from the roles of the FBI. Now, if that's a fake, it's the best dang fake I ever read. That's the letter dismissing Peter Strzok. Peter Strzok deserved to be dismissed. Absolutely, positively deserved to be dismissed. Also should be dismissed, Randy Weingarten. Randy Weingarten, in my view, is a bad person. Randy Weingarten is in the business of ensuring teachers get paid and not students being educated. Randy Weingarten was there to work with the Department of Education to keep people, to keep uh, uh, teachers from having to do their job. That's why she was there. Why should we have to teach? Why should we have uh, the, the students uh, in the classroom? The, it's so unsafe. Uh, this COVID is going to kill every teacher and you have to mask them and you have to do this. Oh, and if parents disagree, we should be calling them domestic terrorists and so on and so on and so on. Now... We're seeing that Randy Weingarten from the, from the American Federation of Teachers is one of these people who favors the community schools uh, program, which focuses as reported on culturally relevant and uh, restorative justice practices. Well, anytime you see restorative justice, anything justice is uh, about... Wealth redistribution. Every single thing that you ever, ever, ever see 
regarding something justice is wealth redistribution. Social justice, racial justice, economic justice, all wealth redistribution. But here you have schools that are pushing this idea that we need restorative practices in schools because it is the antidote to systemic racism. The idea that you want to disassemble a common culture and focus on dividing students according to their ethnic cultures and pushing an agenda that's based on students' identities. As critical race theorists would see it, identity is kind of defined in the terms of intersectionality, the connection between culturally relevant or responsive teachings and critical race theory. So when people say we're not teaching critical race theory in the schools, uh, you do have a critical race curriculum this much is um, clear and, and, and obvious. But it's also clear and obvious that the idea of dividing students as opposed to bringing them together, the idea of saying that certain people are guilty based on the color of their skin, uh, the idea that certain people are oppressed and oppressor based on the color of their skin, the idea of keeping people separated as opposed to coming together. In the same way, for example, we utilize the term cultural appropriation. If I wear hoop earrings, it is not cultural appropriation. I like hoop earrings. And if I should open a Mexican restaurant or a Jamaican restaurant, it isn't cultural appropriation. I may just be very good at creating Mexican or Jamaican food. If Christians want to open a Jewish deli, I say more power to them and please carry whitefish. This is what I say. Cultural appropriation is a myth told by liars and frauds to keep people from actually engaging with others. It is built to otherize. It is built to shame. Oh, my. Now, that's different. Notice what I'm saying is different than whether or not you're trying to uh, uh, create a caricature of somebody. It's Cinco de Mayo, so you're going to, you know, uh, put on a poncho and wear a sombrero. All right. You, You might be called a moron if you do. Building a business, opening a restaurant, enjoying the food, enjoying the culture, enjoying the music. Is enjoying the music cultural appropriation? Can a white kid enjoy rap music? Isn't that the plan? Because if it's cultural appropriation, uh, then I guess uh, white people can't buy any, uh, download any songs and uh, you can't engage in, in, in any level of black culture. So uh, that money's going away. That money's gone. Oh, no, no, oh, you want the money to be spent. But they should know they're terrible people while they... This is not a large a preponderance of Americans who believe in this nonsense. It's a much smaller group. But unfortunately, they're very vocal, and right now they're in our schools. And this is why the American Federation of Teachers has to be broken in two. These nonsense people within both that union and, of course, in the Department of Education have to be broken in two. These are bad people who believe in bad things. You've got a Biden official named Chatal Shah, as reported by Fox News, advocating for this community school's agenda. A description of community schools includes a focus on, quote, taking historical or structural issues into consideration and dismantling structural racism. Me, I want to teach math and reading. You want the whole of history taught? I'm down for the whole of history. I'll get into more of that uh, a, a little bit later.
Oh, I'm down for it. 150%. The totality of history. The good, the great, the bad, and the ugly. Count me in. But Randy Weingarten can't teach that. If you're teaching kids to hate each other and hate themselves, you're not teaching history. You're not teaching math. You're not teaching English. You're not teaching science. You're not teaching. You're indoctrinating. And for that, we don't thank you. We say goodbye. We break the union in two. This goes along with another story. A story out of the Washington Post written by a nurse who quit her job because what they wanted her to do was take this training on implicit bias. And she's like, no, I am not about to engage in some kind of training that starts by telling me that I'm guilty for my existence. I was fired from my nursing job this year for refusing to take implicit bias training. After 39 years of providing equal care to all my patients without regard to their race, I objected to a mandatory course grounded in the idea that I'm racist because I'm white. I fear every healthcare professional will soon be forced to make the same awful decision I did, falsely admit to being racist or abandon the medical field. Already happening. Already happening. We see people say, well, we have to treat every patient exactly alike, but patients aren't exactly alike. I am a white Jewish man, and let's say there is a black Christian woman. Just based on that, we may have different approaches that have to be taken based on our own medical histories, based on propensities, based on uh, a a series of of criteria and how you engage with men and how you engage with women. You know the chances of me having sickle cell? Super small. So would you treat a a black man and a a white man the same? I, I, I don't think that would be the thing to do. I don't think that makes any medical sense, and I don't see how it helps anybody who's black or white or Christian or Jewish. You fired a nurse because you wanted her to admit to the idea that she's guilty for her existence and she wouldn't do it. One of her supervisors told her, I don't want you to die on this cross. We're not going to give you an exemption. Everybody has to do this. So now we're going to lose nurses and doctors because hospital groups are so afraid and so woke, they want to now declare that everybody's a bigot. Make sure they've done all these trainings so they can't get sued, as opposed to saying, go to hell with this nonsense. Was the hospital a bigoted organization because they didn't have this nonsense training? According to the article... The Kentucky Board of Nursing requires that all registered nurses take a continuing education course on implicit bias. And the nurses are told that implicit bias kills and that white privilege is a covert form of racism. And the course walks nurses through their possible contributions to modern day lynchings in the workplace. And people are going to leave the workplace and say, no, no, we're not going to be nurses. We're not going to be doctors. Best of luck getting care when you can't get any care. You're going to get care from the woke doctors and the woke nurses, not the best doctors and the best nurses. I have never once asked my doctor, what do you think about Jews? 
Now, what's interesting is that I usually do search out Jewish doctors. I'm not even shy about that. You can call me any name you want. You can call me a bigot all you want. <laughs> Don't give a damn. I want to be comfortable. I do search out Jewish male doctors. I want a bit of commonality with my doctor when I'm talking to them. I want them to understand me. I want to understand them. There have been many times I have seen a female nurse or a female doctor or a doctor who isn't Jewish. And you know what I say? Hello, doctor. Hello, nurse. What's wrong with me? When I am talking about my uh, preferred doctor that I go to on a regular basis, I search out Jewish male doctors. Not even shy about it. That's biased. I don't care. It's where I'm comfortable with my health care. Who the hell is anybody else to tell me no? But when I go to a hospital, I assume these are professionals. And whoever is treating me, I say, how you doing, unless I'm really sick, to which I say, fix the pain. Do you think I want them to ask me? Now, now you're, you're, you're Jewish. Um, what prayers do I need to say before we begin? Just give me the morphine! Yes, 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 but before before we do, uh, a reformed Jew or conservative, Ashkenazi or Sephardic, can you answer the question, my leg is broken in four spots, fix it! Of, of, of course, we're, we're going to fix it. Um, uh, but, but before we do, Jackie Mason, yay or nay? What kind of, what kind of thing is this? Just stop treating professionals like garbage. And stop trying in the school system to indoctrinate kids. Man, this whole day is about how we have to fight stuff. All right, I guess the, I guess what the day is about. Man, we got to fight a lot of stuff. I got people waiting to talk. Your calls are coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Let me go to the phones. I'm always told, Tony, you don't take enough calls. And then other people are like, thank goodness. I'm like, I, there's no winning. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Tiffany, thanks for the call. What's going on, Tiffany? Nowhere. Hi. Hey. What can I do for you, Tiffany? Um, I've been made to, like, make an announcement to something, but no matter how many times I've tried or how many times I've tried to reach out through my phone services, I'm not being connected to the right numbers or the right sites. Um, okay, I can help with this. Let me put you on hold one moment, Ryan. Put her on hold and we'll help with this. I don't think she knows she called into a radio show. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that to you, Ryan, right now. Um, uh, guaranteed. And this, and this is why we don't take calls, guys. This is it. This is it. Ryan? Ryan, you, you, you spoke to her. Did she make sense when she called in? She told me she had something about the FBI she wanted to talk about. Oh. All right, but we're not the FBI. We, I, 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 are we going to get into full conspiracy theory here? Because you know how I pose all that. I'm not, I am not the conspiracy guy. I look terrible in tinfoil. Just, just awful. Just a fantastic. Something that is not a conspiracy. How could anybody think that John Fetterman, the Democrat running for Senate in Pennsylvania, is okay. And first, I just wanted to check in and see how how you're feeling and how you're doing. I'm doing fa- I'm doing fantastic. And 
And uh, it's not about you know, kicking balls uh, in the authority or anything. Yeah, he's fine. He's just fine. John Fetterman is not okay. This stroke that he had in May has had a clear impact on his cognitive ability. He cannot put together a sentence. He agreed to go on this interview with Chris Hayes at MSNBC, and he talks about kicking balls in the authority as opposed to kicking authority in the... Yeah, see, he's not all right. There are going to be Democrats in Pennsylvania who say, we don't care, we're still going to vote for him? That's a take. That is a very interesting, very frightening development. Not as frightening as the fact that the Democratic Party is still running him. And this is only one of two stories. The stories coming out of Congress, of the Senate, about Dianne Feinstein, the senator from California, 89 years old. She does not remember what is happening. She does not remember the legislation that she's voting on. Her staff does it all. Why are Democrats okay with this? You have somebody who's no longer capable. She used to be capable even if I disagreed with her. Now she's not. They don't care. Uh, Feinstein and Fetterman. It only proves that they really don't give an F. Find everything at TonyCats.locals.com. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today.